This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. This is like breaking normal, even for breaking normal. I recorded this interview with Craig Summers, who is like an off-the-grid guru, longevity <laughs> expert, who's really awesome. Long story short, just a great guy. And it somehow slipped through the cracks. I probably interviewed him about a half a year ago. I have a couple episodes like that, this being one. So this, you'll notice the timelines are a bit different. Like, for instance, Deanna and I were still married when we shot this episode. Um, and I felt like that was important to tell y'all, just so you don't get ultra confused in some of these confusing topics. Oh, and and Craig, after the interview, he, he as you can tell, he, he gives like some tricks and tips for genetic testing and using, for instance, 23andMe along with some other programs. And he... It was a bit, like, elusive, and I'm not sure if he's wanting to keep it under the radar on purpose. But long story short, if you're interested in learning how what he learned about using 23andMe and some of the other businesses to figure out what he did, send me an email, daniel at breakingnormal.com, or send me a personal message on Instagram, um, and I can forward that. But for whatever reason, I don't he didn't share it publicly, and... Um, yeah, it might be for good reason. So if you want to learn more about that uh, that trade secret, then hit me up personally. And definitely keep an ear, eye, pulse out for what I am about to finally launch with the uh, Breaking Normal Emotional Resilience Training. Big deal, big deal. It's been a long time in the making, and it should be ready, I think. I'm aiming for 222. So stay in touch, as always feel free to hit me up through my email or Instagram if it has to do with this episode or something else. I've gotten a lot of people recently hitting me up for podcast interview, which I love doing. And if you happen to be in Colorado or coming through Boulder, Colorado, definitely, um, and you want to be on the show and you think you'd be a good guest, definitely hit me up because I do my interviews in person and Boulder is breaking, is so breaking normal. I mean, I love being here and it's so breaking normal in the sense that I'm not sure if I can really put a finger on why it's so breaking normal. But one thing is it seems like it's some sort of net for digital nomads and ecopreneurs and people that have traveled the world for most of their lives, like the last 10 years or 11 years like I have, and decided to stay here. Um, and I find that pretty fascinating. And it's a really, a really cool vibe out here. So we're remembering a future of the next tribe design for spring breakthrough. And we might even have something super fun brewing on a ship in Europe for the summertime. So if any of that tickles your heartstrings, get your heart on, send me a message, enjoy this episode, and please leave a review on the iTunes. I'd love to see, like, what did this episode or what does the show bring up for you? Just leave a simple review, if you will. Um, that would mean a lot to me. And uh, it will be received gratefully, even if it's not positive. Um, or if you don't think it's positive, I'd rather take the truth but it seems like so far, most of the people, the truth is positive for people that are tuning into this podcast. So let's keep it going. There was a 3.33 mark on this intro. Sounds like it's time to transition to Craig Summers. Enjoy this interview. Much love to y'all. Peace. And Craig Summers, his uh, website is rawfoodsbible.com. 
so much to talk about, and we're giving ourselves a creative constraint of about 57 minutes, so we'll see what we can cover. Um, firstly, the name of your, your, your YouTube channel, what is that? Off-Grid Homesteading is one of them, and the other one is just under my name, Craig Summers. Okay. S-O. Uh, great, and I'm ex I'm gonna re I want really want to dive into this off grid homesteading because Deanna and I are, are actually feeling the call to potentially do something similar for ourselves. We've been renting retreat properties for about a decade now, or myself, my brothers, and it's like, man, it's about time we start investing in our own property. Why not? And um, here you are, you've invested. It looks like a lot of time, heart, soul, and money into where you are homesteading right now. And I want to dive into that. And before we do, I'm curious, how do you remember us knowing each other? Like, how do we know each other from your perspective? Well, you were running retreats, and a friend of mine, who is a friend of yours from Turkey, introduced us. That's how I remember it. Yep, and um, that friend, Sal Kaya, who lives in Turkey now, he actually, I was making the, we both realized that his fingerprints are a bit on this place that you're building, because he was doing like a woofing of sorts, is that correct? Correct. So, in case you don't know what woofing is, it's called Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. So, people volunteer, you go live with a family, and they, of course, room and board, make your food or give you food, and you work for them. Then you, of course, learn what they're doing. So I try to teach uh, all these different aspects of homesteading to people when they come and woof with me. That's interesting that you bring that up because now I remember one of the earlier Rob Ross videos that we did um, was us woofing on a farm right outside of Austin, Texas. And I remember like this video of me and my Speedo just barefoot, like digging up a, a farm, <laughs> so like tilling the soil for next year's crop. And now I just realized I was just out here in your uh, yard swimming in my Speedo and this spring-fed pond, which is part of this homestead. And now I'm drinking hot chocolate made from rainwater. Um, so I'm obviously, for anyone that knows me, you probably can tell right off the bat why I'm excited for this interview. Uh, w if you could just give us a, an imaginary tour for someone to picture what's going on in their mind, like what, what are you stewarding in here and why are you doing it? Like the golden thread of what's most important to you and why you find yourself on this mission because I'm definitely inspired by it. To live a peaceful life without the stresses of the outside world. So I picked a property in the country off a dead-end road. It's a forest. I put my house in the middle of the forest. It's uh, mostly pine trees, so you get good fresh air. I don't have a lot of car exhaust. I even have a sign in my driveway for people who visit says, no engine idling, shut engine off. Yeah, we actually <laughs> took that sign to heart because we pulled up and Davina was still sleeping, so I parked outside the driveway until she woke up. So thank you for uh, putting that sign up there and making that easy for me to understand rather than being resentful or anything like that. <laughs> like, I like the clarity of that, like, yes. don't run your car here. I love swimming as well, which they find the, the longest lived animals in the world spend a lot of time in the water. So we have a two acre lake behind the house that actually wraps around from east, all of the complete south, and on the west side, it's almost like a horseshoe. And I swim in there 10 months out of the year, even the November, you could swim a little bit. It's, it's, um, it's not that cold. Um, so 
What about the other two months, by the way? Yeah, it's a little too cold for me. Um, I might have to come <laughs> run and retreat those two months. <laughs> okay. okay. So imagine, um, you know, this forest scene with, with the water. And then we, we built this house in the center of it. And we tried to make the house as off-grid as possible. So we catch all the water off the roof. And that goes into tanks, which we use for everything except watering the gardens. To water the gardens, we pump water out of the lake to do that. But we, we don't run out. We have three 5,000-gallon tanks and um, several roofs to catch water off of. And if you want to see more about that, you can look at my uh, video on off-grid, off-dash-grid homesteading on uh, rainwater well, I have a question about right off the bat. I'm a big water connoisseur my, myself, and um, I just don't understand what the culture, the normal culture does with water, the idea of putting the white powder in there and uh, pooping and, like, putting waste into clean water that's been treated. Like, can you illuminate? I think you might have a, a good understanding of this. Like, why is it a cultural norm to treat water with it? And I think in the white powder is mostly fluoride and or chlorine, partly, and maybe some other things I'm not even aware of. What's the story about this from your perspective? Well, um, we we in the uh, United States and you know more modern countries, we take clean water for granted. But the truth is that most of the people on the planet don't have access to purified water. So it's a wonderful thing that we could drink water out of the tap and not get some disease and have diarrhea and get dehydrated and die from it. But that comes at a price. Um, chlorine uh, is linked to liver cancer. They introduced another chemical called chloramine, which was supposed to be better, maybe not as toxic, but a lot of people believe it's more toxic. And unlike chlorine, if you run water, put it in a bucket, in 24 hours, the chlorine evaporates out even less, sometimes 12 hours. There's no more chlorine left in it. Chloramine doesn't evaporate out. It stays in there, and it's toxic to us. I mean, you're, you're putting this stuff in to kill bacteria. Really, you need to filter it out before you drink it. Um, secondly, they put fluoride in the water. So some researchers claimed that fluoride um, makes your teeth harder and less prone to decay and also kills bacteria. Yes, true, it does kill bacteria. But what else does it kill? Um, lots of research was done to show that it lowers IQ. For instance, in, in China, where it's... Uh, very common that people stay in these little villages and towns their whole lives and don't travel. They did IQ tests on several villages, and then half the villages uh, got uh, sorry, fluoridated water, so put fluoride in it, and the other half didn't. And after a couple of years, they did IQ tests again. And the people in the villages that were getting the fluoride, their IQ dropped by several points. Um, there's, there's tons of research like that. It... Um, it also inhibits metabolic enzymes, which are basically uh, things that run our organs. So we really don't want you fluoride. You have a nice bug on your shirt there. Oh, well, that's one benefit of living in the country that looks like a firefly. Man, yeah, yeah you mentioned um, that also speaking of flies, there we saw, I saw like the greenest dragonfly I had ever seen. And he's like, yeah, you have dragonflies of all colors here. That's true. And dragon, yeah, tell me about dragonflies real quick. <laughs> Dragonflies, yes, they 
of course, uh, you'll find them around water because they lay their eggs in the water. You'll, you'll often see two flag, dragonflies locked together in flight, and they're bouncing their butt up and down and laying eggs in the water. I see that a lot out here. They cannot reproduce in uh, water that's polluted. The water in the, the uh, lake behind my house here comes from either the rain or a lot of it is spring-fed. There's several springs on the side of the hill that, that fill it. So this water here is really pure, and uh, dragonflies love it because of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about the water you're drinking here? Like, I've heard rainwater is illegal to harvest in some states. Is that true? Uh, yes. Uh, Colorado made it illegal for some time, <laughs> uh, but they legalized it again. So you definitely want to check the state you're in. But here in Texas, it's actually um, ble- there's a, you get a blessing from the government if you're collecting rainwater. In fact, if you buy rainwater collection tanks and you sign a paper that you're using it to collect rainwater, not water from a well or something like that, you don't have to pay any tax on the material you're buying for the rainwater collection. That's how much the, the state loves it. And then on that note, if someone's like, man, right, right, like without even having to do much more research, like screw it, I'm going to start drinking rainwater or well water. What's the treatment process for rainwater and is it necessary and why? Whenever you put water in a tank, especially if some light is getting in there, you're going to grow all kinds of microbes, uh, algae, and your water's going to start turning colors and have funky things living in it, bacteria. So you definitely need to treat that water. Uh, I use several different treatment methods. In the tanks that I have out there, I have what's called an ozone generator. It's on a timer, and in the wintertime, it goes on once a day for an hour. There's an air pump that blows air through what's called a corona discharge, which makes ozone. And same thing you'd see in a fish tank where a hose goes in, there's an air stone, and the bubbles come up. And the the ozone kills all the little things that will grow in the tank, including the algae. And in the summertime, I run it twice a day. It goes on every 12 hours because, of course, you get more sun and the warmer weather promotes more pathogens that can grow in your tank. So that's the first step of it. Then when it's pumped into the house, uh, I'll use it just the way it is for showering or for hand washing. But for for drinking, we have a a two-step process. First, we run it through a carbon block filter, a solid carbon block filter that we change about every three months. And then it goes through a UV light. And the reason you want it to go through the filter before the UV light is because if there's little pieces in that water, the bacteria can hide in them or behind them or somehow and possibly make it through the UV light. So you definitely want to filter out all the tiny little particles and then run it through UV light. And then it's very, very pure. And then you mentioned there's wells around here, but you haven't uh, gone that route. It costs, what'd you say, $10,000 roughly to make a, to tap a well around here? Minimum, yeah. If you're going to have uh, a crew come out with one of these trucks uh, and put in a well, it's $10,000 minimum to do that. And in the state of Texas, you can't do that without notifying the state. And then, of course, they'll raise your property taxes because now you have a well on it. It's, it's worth more money. Um, we have this wonderful uh, lake behind the house, like I mentioned, spring-fed. So we pull the water out of there to, to use in the gardens. And if I wanted to, 
I could actually just run that through some filters and fill my, my tanks um, similar to the way you do it from a well. Wow. Do wells, are you, I'm, now I'm curious, like if I was going to, say if I was going to live uh, near here or somewhere else and just tap a well, do I need to treat that water typically or how would people deal with that? Yes, yeah, sometimes you do. And what they do is it's called shocking the water. They'll throw a bunch of chlorine down there. If the well is too close to the surface, it can be contaminated. Um, deeper, the deeper the well, you know, like artesian wells, the more pure the water. Um, one really interesting fact is that like places where there's a lot of people, a high population density that when they're using well water, they're actually showing that pharmaceutical drugs showing up in that well water. So you got all these people popping all these different pills uh, and then the, the water goes into the septic system, it goes leaches down and it can actually make its way into that aquifer and get pumped back up and uh, and passes through the filtration systems. I know for a fact they're 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 showing up pharmaceuticals in in well water. Now I was concerned about my my rainwater, so I ran uh, a test for a little over hundred dollars, a, a mineral analysis on my rainwater to make sure I wasn't getting any heavy metals or other toxins. My water came out very very pure, which okay. I was glad. That's interesting to me because I've been living in the Austin area on and off for like about a half a year now. And I found a farm near our place and they have a well that's about a hundred something feet deep. And now I'm like one, I, I drank some of it. Like I've probably drank about 20 gallons of it. And now I'm wondering about what you're saying. And it would it be a, a simple test like that do the job to figure that out? Yes. I'll often see the thing about well water is it could be contaminated with heavy metals, minerals. You, you, if you this taste, one definitely is. Yes. This one is like so silky. I think I the claims it's because it's a limestone um, cavern or aquifer okay. and it's filled with calcium. So, so calcium is a mineral that you never want to put into your body unless it's gone through a plant first. So dark green leafy vegetables, great sources of calcium, nuts and seeds, et cetera, et cetera. But when you take calcium supplements – for instance, calcium carbonate or any type of calcium supplement, you're basically taking rocks and you're you're putting it into your stomach, you're putting it into your into your uh, circulatory system. And have you ever heard of hardening of the arteries or calcification I've of heard, your circulatory system? Well, I've also heard of fluoride and a correlation with calcification of the pineal gland. Yeah, too, well, that's another of, whole yeah. story, but <laughs> we already passed the fluoride. So let's leave that one in the past there. Um, so, so the calcium, when you when you drink the the water that's high in calcium like that, you're basically putting yourself at risk for for poor circulation, uh, and eventually heart attacks and strokes, because that calcium binds to the walls of the circulatory system. Let me give just give you a little for instance. By the way, this is not like something I'm making up. This this they even had this in the news. My parents had a summer house in upstate New York, and it was on the evening news that calcium supplements uh, create a higher incidence of uh, circulatory problems leading to heart attack and stroke. Th there's studies done on this, too. You and can, does this also qualify for ca calcified well water? Or yes. More? Okay, so yes, you're saying because that the calcium coming out of the ground that's in the limestone is calcium. It's, it's the same thing, calcium carbonate. So you're... 
you shouldn't really be drinking that stuff. It yeah, we've stopped, and um, I'm, I'm happy. I, th I guess sometimes sometimes I've learned that the uh, medicine's in the poison and the poison's in the dose, so I trust that I got just the right amount for my time in that life. And then in your own home uh, consumption, my fr I asked you this briefly in like the intro video or a little teaser video of your car that runs on vegetable oil, by the way. His truck, and you have a truck and a car that run on vegetable oil? Just the, the pickup truck. Just the pickup truck, okay. I want to talk about that as well, but on your own home consumption, You've been um, eating uh, either a predominantly or like a hundred percent, or what's the deal with this? Uh, a plant-based diet or a vegan diet, raw vegan diet for how long? And what, what? How would you describe that? 1993, I discovered that the standard American diet was causing heart attacks, cancer, strokes, all these different diseases. I decided to start researching healthy diet and I changed my diet so I originally went vegetarian and cut out hydrogenated oils and artificial colors and flavors preservatives and eventually I, I, a couple years after that I went vegan then I, a few years after that I went raw I stayed raw for several years then I went back to eating a high raw diet and the foods that I do eat cooked are healthfully prepared I'm not f deep frying stuff and using different chemicals or so forth. I'm I'm really clean on my diet. So so it's been a long road and and an experimentation for me. What I've come to find is that we all have different uh, genes. Our DNAs are so different. So for instance, I can eat plants all day long, and those plants, the carotenoids in it, which is uh, pro vitamin A with me will get turned into vitamin A, so my vitamin A levels are fine. Now my wife, who has a defect in some genes that turn the carotenoids into vitamin A, she can eat the carotenoids all day long and her vitamin A is low. So she has to take, uh, she does egg yolks to get her vitamin A, because the plants don't readily convert into vitamin A enough for her to, to have enough vitamin A. So. That's probably why she w wears glasses and since she was uh, you know, a teenager. M one of the reasons that possibly could have caused that. And she used to have night blindness too. We did some nutritional testing. We found out then we, that she was low in vitamin A. Then we did the DNA testing, found out what was causing it. And now it's all, it's all good. We worked that out. But it's important to note that everyone is different. So, so whatever diet works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. And ever, we're all so unique. Ten people could be in a room, and er every one of those ten people would need a little bit different diet. So, uh, and maybe you can clarify this for me a little bit with uh, the DNA element, uh, because I hear memes or ideas around like 99% of the DNA we share with this animal, and we share with all other humans. So, but and I'm also hearing you say it's so from human to human the DNA is so different. So, can you illuminate a little bit about that? I'm I'm wanting to make sure I understand what you mean by that, and versus what other people mean when they say we share 99% of DNA with a chimpanzee or whatever the number is. I'm not even sure what that is. Okay, so I, I've only studied um, DNA when it comes to health of a human being. I've definitely heard what you say, how we share DNA with other animals. So I, I don't know the exact statistics for that. But I do know that we have two, two genes, okay? We inherit one from our mom and one from our dad. So we can either have a single mutation or a double mutation. Like what I, I talked about with my wife not being able to process vitamin A so well. 
from carotenoids, she has a double mutation. She inherited a bad one from her mom, bad one from her dad. Other people, like, like I checked my genes, I have a single mutation over there. So only one of my genes is not good for processing the carotenoids, but the other one does a fine job. My vitamin A levels are always fine from, from eating the, uh, the carotenoids. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm curious, and maybe if anyone else has anything to add to this conversation, you can always reach out to me at Instagram at Daniel Eisenman or leave a comment or a review on the podcast. That's always reverent to the gods of the internet known as algorithms. <laughs> and if people want to reach out to you, by the way, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they could look at my website, rawfoodsbible.com, or they can go to my YouTube channel, Craig Summers, and you can... Check out. I have a lot of health videos there. I um, have another one on uh, on this DNA thing. I have something called the MTHFR mutation. So that means that I don't methylate well. So what does that mean? Uh, basically, adding a methyl group to say a, a vitamin supplement. For instance, vitamin B12. You can get it in three different forms. The synthetic one, which would be cyanocobalamin, then methylcobalamin, actually like four different forms, I should say. Let's leave the other two out for now. But the, the one that I first mentioned, the cyanocobalamin, that's a synthetic. People who don't methylate, like me, I have a double mutation there, you could take that all day long and your B12 levels will, will not go up. You'll, you could end up dying of B12 deficiency if you're a vegan and you're only supplement, supplementing with cyanocobalamin. So um, since I have the double mutation, I have to go with the methylcobalamin or hydroxycobalamin or uh, adenosylcobalamin. Those, those three will, will work. So my wife doesn't have a problem with that one. She, could, she only has a single mutation on that. So she could take the cyanocobalamin and be vegan and get all the B12 she needs. The, the other part of this, and this is even more important, when you buy, say, bread or pasta, or there's a lot of foods that have been fortified with something called folic acid, which is a B vitamin. People who can't methylate or can't use that folic acid, it will actually depress natural killer cells or basically depress our immune system and can lead to cancer. So you want to be very careful about 9 Almost 100%, but ni upwards of 99% of the vitamins available on the market, B vitamins, have the synthetic folic acid in it. You want to see something that says folate or methylfolate. There's a few different forms now out there, uh, and it's becoming more common since the DNA problem is known. But I have a friend who died of cancer many years ago. He, he was taking folic acid, and I think that he might have depressed his, his immune system because he probably had a double mutation in, in that MTHFR. I can't say for sure. He's, he's dead a long time, but that's my guess. Wow. And to clarify, are you saying that if someone does want a supplement, they should look for a folate? Or folate. Like, like uh, uh, for instance, um, Sun Warrior makes something called raw vitamins. If you look on that and the uh, vitamin facts there, you'll see it says folate. That's the form that comes right out of plants. That's the form we can use. It's in the plants. The folic acid is a synthetic form that they're putting in all the supplements. They're fortifying breads and pastas and all these foods with it. And it's crap unless you can methylate well. And, and one in five people have either a single or a double uh, mutation in this gene. 
Wow, I just real I realized I was just in the Big Island of Hawaii this for our recent tribe design over the New Year's, and I got to hang out with Nick Stern, I believe the founder of Sun Warrior, and he he's building a property out there that's amazing too, with all kinds of crazy ideas. I'm not sure if you're connected with him, but oh yes, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so here let's I know double helix DNA. Let's see if I can ask a double helix question here. Um, one, I see, uh, looks like Yeshua or Jesus Christ on the wall, a picture there, which wants me, uh, which is catalyzing me to want to ask you what your thoughts are about Jesus and God in your life. And then another one, hmm, what other one can I mix in there with that one? I had something brewing. Oh yeah, I sent in, this is a funny combination, but I sent in, in my poops, my poop sample the other day. Definitely check out everyone listening, check out the podcast today with, uh, Naveen Jain. Um, I know we've been talking about DNA samples here. And but you're also doing a a gut biome sample as well, or di- from a different company. But what's the? I was gonna, I wanted to ask you about the significance of why someone would do that, and then yeah, also about God, God and poop. <laughs> it's funny how you put God and poop in the same paragraph there. <laughs> I know. Well, what's most personal is most universal, and I'm suspicious of how people treat poop culturally. So um, um, if you have anything to say about cultural uh, treatments of poop as well, that would be interesting to me too. Are we all good? Okay, yeah. Let, okay. Let's do one at a time here. <laughs> so that, that picture of, of Jesus down there belongs to my wife, who was uh, born and raised Christian. I was born and raised Jewish. And we go together perfectly fine because Christians believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, uh, Jews, of course, have the Old Testament. So her belief system includes my belief system, plus the New Testament, which is a a new belief system. And as far as when I look at what Jesus taught, every single thing that he taught is right in line with with my beliefs. There's nothing that he taught that is not in line with my beliefs. So even though we have two different upbringings, um, two quote-unquote different religions, it seems like the same religion to me. And what about and maybe the, maybe you would consider this to be a translation of people that are from their perspective of the Bible rather than what you are perceiving it as. But from a lot of times, uh, Christian churches I've attended, they seem to perpetuate or believe the message that um, Jews would not be. They don't believe Jesus to be the Messiah, and that that won't allow them into the kingdom of heaven. That Jesus. Okay, so that's the one place that I guess. Um, this is my, normal, so we're going to get to go there. Okay, that's the one place where my beliefs would differ from the Christians who believe that. Um, my wife, it, well, first off, let's let's start by saying there's over a hundred different sects of Christianity. Catholics are just one sect of Christianity. I think those, maybe most of the people who say that if you know if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not getting into heaven. And I think that was perpetuated by the by the Vatican and Rome because they wanted everyone to follow their religion. They were using, you know, you've heard of the separation between church and state. Well, the Vatican was trying to have church and state all together, and they were trying to, to run everything there at some point. So that's the one place where we differ. I, I think that personally anyone could get into heaven. You don't have to be, even be Jewish or Christian. You could be whatever religion or not even any religion as long as you're a good person. So there's my belief system on that. We're almost at uh, minute 33 of the recording, which is interesting because I believe that's, from my understanding of the Bible and the history, that's when Jesus was crucified at age 33, potentially. And then I was telling you how it was a deep eddy pool before this. This pool that I swim at in Austin, Texas, 
has it, it's it's not treated from my understanding and it runs on they change the water every other night and it has three wells that are about 300 feet deep and the pool length is 33.3 yards long so before we go to poop, um, does do you do anything with numbers? Like, does the number thirty-three or three-three-three mean anything to you? Is that uh, a part of your belief system? Uh, three threes, no, it it doesn't. But uh, I did study uh, Kabbalah for a little while in my life, and a little bit of that numerology in Kabbalah. So, for instance, the number twenty-six is a number for God in Kabbalah. Six and two and eight. Six and two is eight, which is a number for infinity. I was born on the twenty-sixth of the month. My father was born on the twenty-sixth of the month in nineteen twenty-six. My wife came to this country on the twenty-sixth of the month when she was twenty-six. <laughs> so th- there's a, a lot of interesting things going on with the number twenty-six. So we got married, of course, on what day of the month? <laughs> the twenty-sixth. <laughs> And her, her grandmother was also, I think, born on the 26th of the month. Wow. Now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to, like, project all my 26s in my life. I'm like, I wonder what happened when I was 26. Anyways, I feel like we keep putting this poop thing on the radar. Um, but now, on that note, the, you pronounce it as the Kabbalah. The Kabbalah. 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 Uh, did, uh, so have you studied anything? Because you seem like well-studied man, which is one of the reasons I'm very excited to be here with you. Um, what about the calendar? Like, So you, that's based on, have you ever studied like the Mayan calendar versus the Gregarian? Is it the Gregarian calendar? I don't know what that means, Gregarian calendar. I think that's the calendar we use right now. Okay, yeah. And what's <laughs> what do you what do you have any thoughts around well, that? Or like, course, if I want to learn more about that, where would you lead me to? Of course, the Mayan calendar ended in 2012. That's why everyone thought the world was going to end. I shouldn't say everyone, but some people thought the world was going to end. I posted a a Facebook post where someone was reading an Oreo cookie, saying that you know because the Oreo cookie looks similar to the Mayan. Uh, calendar there and they were saying oh well good news is is that the world's not going to end in 2012 (laughs) well maybe it did i've also heard that it did like on a on a subtle conscious level that but when is that not happening but i i believe the world is ending every moment the way i used to know it and i think that's bringing it back to the bible that's the child likeness that shows the kingdom that's already here like personally the hebrew calendar goes back over five thousand years and that there's still that's calendar still being used. So there's all different calendars. Um, I think there's no problem. Uh, you know, just pick one, use the one you want. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about how if that biases the 26 uh, pattern in your life because based on the calendar that you might be using. Yeah, so, well, I never actually dove into it that deep to look for 26s in uh, other than you know 26 of the month or 1926, but. Cool. Well, let's find now. We can finally address the poop situation. <laughs> why would someone like why I'm sending my poop sample in there about to give me a whole analysis based on my gut biome? What, what, what is that? A, you think that's a good idea to do that? Absolutely a good di- idea. Let me tell you a little bit of research that's just come out these days. So we'll we'll start with mice. That's where they originally started doing this stuff. So they took obese mice took actually um, some of their microbiome or their bacteria that lives in their uh, intestines, took it out and put it in thin mice, okay? Gave them the same exact diet. Those thin mice got fat. They took, then they took some 
uh, it's called a fecal transplant. Then they took some bacteria out of thin mice, put it in fat mice, and then the fat mice got thin on the same diet. They're finding it's the same thing in humans now, and they're actually doing fecal transplants on humans. You have these obese people, and they have a predominant type of bacteria in their intestines that absorbs nutrients and fats and carbohydrates out of food much more readily than the bacteria that's present in thin people. So it's not legal yet to do this in the United States, but it is in UK and, and in other countries. So some people are going to other countries for this. They're finding that even uh, in the autism spectrum, they're taking kids who, who are autistic, taking fecal transplants from kids who are not putting, or humans that are not, putting them in there and their autism gets better. The microbiome is, is making neurotransmitters that go directly to our brain. Um, most of our immune system is, is in our gut and what's going on in our gut directly affects our brain th through, like I said, the making of neurotransmitters. So there's so much evidence right now and so much research going on. It's a really fascinating time to be alive. And, and there's books coming out on this. There's, there's um, videos on YouTube where you can learn more about this. Well, yeah, and I'll reference again that podcast I did with Naveen is crazy. He's awesome. You're awesome. And you're, you, mentioned, you mentioned this, what a fascinating time to be alive. Um, what are you most excited about these days and being alive? Let me go into one more thing okay, about, yeah, please that, do. about that please whole do. Um, microbiome test for, for your intestines. So um, the, the lab that I use is called Vibrant America. Their test is a little bit more expensive than the one that you uh, did a podcast on with someone just recently that you told about. But what they've done is they have uh, their test checks for every different type of probiotic or friendly bacteria that lives, or even not so friendly bacteria that lives in our intestine that has published studies. There's the key, published studies. And if they have only a few published studies, they get one star. And if they have a lot of published studies, they get five stars. So all these different strains will be barked between one and five stars, depending on how much published studies that they have. And then it'll say, you know, so say lactobacillus acidophilus. Um, and then if you're low in it, this is what they've found in these studies, that it can cause X, Y, and Z diseases. If you're too high in it, it can cause these problems. And if... And if you're just writing it, you know, et cetera. So they have all these different bacteria loaded, you know, loaded with all these different bacteria, the test is, and, and what conditions it can lead to in your life. So, so many people have these different diseases and, and they're chronic. They're going to the uh, doctor and they're getting all these medications and the medications are killing off their microbiome, which is making it worse. And they're on this, this downward spiral, more and more medications, getting sicker and sicker. And just taking one of these tests and then supplementing the right probiotics could make a 100% turnaround in their health. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this technology that exists and that there's multiple companies doing it. And I, that, that kind of inspires me to do more research about the different companies and so, well, yeah, like I said, what, like you said, what an exciting time to be alive. I totally agree. Um, beyond the, the poop and the DNA and all these other topics that we've kind of brushed over, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you're just, like, stoked about, like you're fired up about? Wow. Um, 
Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I break up my time studying, um, studying health, studying off-grid living, studying gardening. Um, I'm even studying the new battery technology for solar and wind storage. And there's even a lot of um, new technology coming out on, um, believe it or not, like um, nuclear power now. They have salt reactors where they can make electricity all these different ways. They have much more types, uh, newer and, and safer types of ways to get energy out of nuclear that there's a bright new future in. So I'm breaking up my time with all these different areas. There's not really one area that um, that I like more than the other area. It's the, it's the whole spectrum. <laughs> I, I feel that. Well, tell me about the uh, your truck that runs on vegetable oil and and maybe tell me and others because I told you before this interview that the the one food that I if I'm going to demonize a food right now in my life that I feel like I so I I've gotten acid reflux throughout my life and I had instead of and then when I was in high school I kind of took people's advice and treated it with like Pepsi AC or something but then when I kind of woke up to my taking control of my own health like the health care of self care rather than relying on other people's projections being my placebo. I realized that, oh, wait a minute, this acid reflux is telling me something about my body. And I realized what was causing me acid reflux. And I've really pinpointed it to certain vegetable oils, especially canola oil. So I'm curious, is that, would you, does any, is anyone good? Like, do you think canola oil is good for some people? Because I don't think it's good for me. No, no. Canola is just another word for rapeseed. Um, tear gas comes from rapeseed. Uh, I don't think that anyone should be eating canola oil. The way that they extract the oil uh, is a a high heat process that you can't do it unless you have all this this modern technology. And I just um, have studied all these different aspects uh, of oil over the years, and I found that canola is is definitely not a health food. It's definitely not a health food. Yes, it may have a drop of omega-3, but it's it's so heat treated and, um, and processed. By the time they're selling to market, there's there's really nothing left in it at all. First of all, it's it's very high in omega six. Omega sixes promote inflammation. So so I try to stay away from oil oils that are very high in omega sixes for that one reason alone. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Oils are really not something that we should be putting into our bodies in in uh, in any quantity, only in, in minute amounts. And uh, if you look at the oils that they used back in the days, olive oil mostly, or maybe coconut oil, these oils are very easy to, to press out. You don't need a lot of equipment to do it. You could do it with stones and... <laughs> Things like that. That's a good point. I haven't thought about that. Like, the, what oils are easiest to produce? What about hemp oil? What do you think about that? Is that easy? I don't know how they produce hemp oil necessarily. Yes, yes. It's fairly easy to produce. I mean, hemp seeds can be pretty big and juicy. Um, I would just say eat the seeds. Um, there are good omega in there. Or may, it does have, you know, a good balance between the omega-6s and the omega-3s. So if you eat a lot of hemp seeds, it's not going to throw your omega-6s way up high and... and promote inflammation like the canola and safflower and sunflower and so forth. And here's another trending thing in culture right now, CBD oil. What do you think? Do you have any ideas around CBD oil? Yes, it's medicinal. Uh, if someone 
is so stressed out of their mind that they can't relax, then great, CBD is going to help them. Use it. Definitely use it before you take some pharmaceutical drug to make you relax that's going to have horrible side effects. Um, the CBD is really not going to have any side effects, and it's not going to be addictive like that, like those pharmaceuticals can be. And then... Now let's bring it back to the truck. So you have this truck that's running on the vegetable oils, which okay. I, I just find so cool because I'm like, man, so you're telling me that oil is not good for my body is actually good for your truck. Why is your truck running on oil and why would someone else do that? Why is that important enough for you to take action on it? And how does someone take action well, on well, it? Well, first of all, it's, it's carbon neutral. So when you uh, drill oil wells and you pull all this oil out of the ground and you burn it, you're releasing all this carbon into the atmosphere. We know that too much carbon can be a contributing factor to this global warming, climate change, so forth. Um, when you burn vegetable oil, you're burning oil, you're, you're basically releasing carbon in the atmosphere that was just pulled out of the atmosphere by the plants. It's basically carbon neutral. You're not pulling up carbon that's been buried under the ground for thousands of years. So, so that's one thing. Um, secondly, it's less toxic to breathe in the fumes from vegetable oil than it is from diesel. That's that's another thing. But um, the main reason that I got into it is because I see a lot of what they call blood for oil going on. Uh, so many wars have been started, countries going into other countries, um, saying, oh, this leader is bad, and we got it. he's doing this and this to his people, which, honestly, I don't believe. And, and they knocked that leader out, and they put a puppet government in there, and they're basically going in and killing people and stealing their oil. That's, that's the way I see it. So I didn't want, really want to have anything to do with the blood for oil scene, and then I found out about um, the diesel engine. So, so Rudolf Diesel in the late 1800s developed the engine to run off peanut oil. And then he was found floating dead in the English Channel, fell off a ferry boat, supposedly. And they later re introduced his engine to run off of a petroleum product. Diesel fuel is a petroleum product, just like gasoline is. Uh, his vision was that farmers should be able to grow their own fuel. And that never happened. Uh, they don't teach us that in, in high school or college or anything. You have to find that out on your own. But up until recently, uh, with all the modern emission systems in cars, you could take you know, any of those older diesel engines and just substitute uh, peanut oil, which is much thinner than other vegetable oils and does really well in, in uh, the diesel engines. Some of the other oils, you have to do something like a two-tank system where you would start up on diesel, and once it heats up, then you switch over to the vegetable oil, and the heat would thin or reduce the viscosity of the vegetable oil so that it burns better. But um, I've been doing this for 12 years. I've been collecting used cooking oil from fryers and just filtering it and, and using that in my truck. And you said you have a video specifically on this on your YouTube channel? Yes. We'll link that to the show notes. Yeah, it's called Driving on Vegetable Oil. Or just look it up yourself or check out the show notes, and we'll have a lot of the information that we're referencing in there on breakingnormal.com slash podcast. And then I feel like it would be, uh, you know, approaching the 2.30 uh, mark here, it'd be weird not to mention, especially I'm here with my uh, wife and 
our daughter Davina um, on Mother's Day. Uh, what, what what about your mother? I, I don't know if I know anything yeah. about you and your mother. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's in Florida, um, 88 years old, and she's still taking care of a house, cooking meals for her and my dad, um, living the good life in a gated community in Florida. My, da- my dad's uh, 93 now. He's still driving. He's not on any pharmaceuticals. He's doing most of the cl- heavy cleaning in the house. <laughs> Wow, I, no, that's awesome to hear. Do you share? Do you like to share your age? Is that something you like to share? Fifty-four. Fifty-four. Awesome. And is uh, longevity is that? That's, that seems to be a passion of yours, Absolutely. a passion project of yours yeah. and your family's. It sounds like. I had one uncle live to ninety-nine. Nice. But, but my parents—they've been juicing for maybe twenty years. They don't do it as often now, but they used to do it very often, almost seven days a week. And you know, they uh, they cut out beef. They don't keep any beef in the house, mostly eat fish and vegetables. They eat a high uh, plant diet, but not as nice as I would like to see, <laughs> but they're doing better than the average person. And then on that note, um, I, I don't know how long in you, you and your queen have been together, but I, I do. I think that we share the uh, um, idea because Deanna's from Denmark or grew up in Denmark. Where is, does your wife grow? Is she from Germany? My wife grew up in Germany. Uh, she grew up vegetarian until she was 18 years old. She never ate meat, and then someone told her you had to eat it or you're going to die. <laughs> so she ate it every once, maybe once a month until she met me, and then I told her, no, you're not going to die as long as you just note certain things. And uh, she's been uh, off meat for now like seven years again. And do, do you, uh, y'all plan on her being a mother one day? Yeah, actually, uh, she just turned 40. And we're, we've decided to have a child now, so before it's too late. That's, Congratulations. That's, that's around the bend. <laughs> righteous, righteous. Well, I'll be looking forward to having our children play together, maybe at one of these spring-fed ponds one day, whether it's at your center or mine or wherever in the heavens we are. Absolutely. We seem to run into <laughs> each other in very kind of synchronous, heavenly ways, I'd say. So um, anything that you would like to address that we did not cover that's on your heart by any chance? I can't really think of anything at the moment. Well, speaking of heart, I'll circle back to something earlier. And you said the calcium um, might be, it could be hardening to people's arteries, especially supplements where too much. So someone, say someone like myself or someone that's taken supplements for a very long time. Like I don't think, it, personally, I don't think it's a worry that I had well water with calcium for a few weeks. No, no But what deal. if someone has been on calcium where they're like, oh man, It takes I many years for that to happen. So what would someone do if they think they need to uh, open their arteries or maybe make them uncalcified? Yeah, so vitamin K2, you could get an MK7 supplement. Uh, that's it, a vitamin K2, and that can help pull those uh, bits of uh, calcium off the artery walls and get them into the bones where, where they're supposed to be. But just by stopping taking the calcium supplements, uh, that will stop the buildup or, or even reading food labels like sometimes soy milk, rice milk, you'll look, it'll say calcium carbonate or dicalcium phosphate. They have all these different additives. If you go to my um, Craig Summers YouTube station, I have a video called The Truth About Calcium Supplements and, and I show some published studies on, on PubMed and so forth about that. But I'll tell you just real quick about what happened to my mom. Uh, my mom got a, she was 70 something years old, 
Actually, I think she was 70 when she first got the test. They said she had osteopenia. Then they checked her again like a year or so later. Then they said, oh, you have osteoporosis now. But in that time period, she was on calcium supplements, calcium carbonate. So the, the osteoporosis got worse on the calcium carbonate supplements, not better. So then I started doing some research into it, and I, I found out that the problem is People, most people are getting way too much calcium. It's, it's in all these different foods, and they're deficient in magnesium. And magnesium is what lays down the bone density. So we got her off the calcium, got, him, uh, got her on a magnesium supplement, also got her juicing. And in a couple years, she got a bone density test again. And at that time, she had perfect bone density. Her bone density had returned, no osteoporosis, no, not even osteopenia, perfect bone density for her age. Wow, wow. Oh, man, on that note, juicing, because I think Naveen, what he mentioned is like, it's also the personal gut testing, why like some people spinach or kale is really good for, and then some people it's not good for because of the oxalates. I've wondered about juicing, because I've juiced a lot of things in my life, and I've wondered like, which, should I not be juicing this much dandelion, or should I not be juicing this much kale, because specifically the oxalates, do you have any, what, what would be a good long-term juicing recipe okay. for someone to follow? So, so I recommend that no one juice spinach or chard. Th- those are typically high in oxalates, and too much oxalates definitely cause problems. If and it's, once again, it's a, it's a DNA thing. Certain people are prone, and certain people can't have that much oxalates, and, and they'll get stones a lot easier than other people. Um, so, so collard greens and kale, those are much lower in oxalates, um, very, very low. So I think that's fine for anyone unless you have a problem. Okay. An existing and that's problem. another good reason for a gut test, a gut check, yeah, th- breaking your gut there's check. There's really no one juice recipe for everyone. Some people do good with a few carrots in there. Other people, you throw in a few carrots and their sugar levels go crazy. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan so, of carrots, so personally. I like the green juices. The celery, I think, is fantastic to juice. Um, in the summer when it's hot, juice cucumber. It's actually cooling. It's, it's a melon. Melons are cooling. So you can make your green drink with, with those. And uh, I think definitely think most people can benefit from putting in a little chunk of ginger, mm, very small, too. little piece of um, uh, turmeric root, be excellent. Mm. Uh, we mm. walk around on the property, we pull up thistles and throw a couple thistle leaves in there. Maybe not necessarily great for everyone, but for us, it works really well. Uh, That's awesome. I, I've been doing celery juice in the morning, like almost every morning, like say five to four to five days a week, four to six days a week, uh, 16 ounces straight excellent. right in the morning when I wake up I'm for a while now. I'm a firm now. believer in celery juice. Awesome. I like to hear that. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm pushing it till the 2.30 mark here. I'm out of respect to mama on her mama's day. Uh, any questions for me before we conclude? Wow, uh, not that I would want to ask on air, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I, I'm good being on air. And I, if you asked me one on air, that I would say, I'd say I'd be surprised. JP once asked me a question. I'm like, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> really, I'm. I, I'm not that inquisitive. Um, no, I, I just no. I don't really have any questions. Okay. Well, would you want to? In this, we can put ourselves like on a minute timer each of like remembering a future um, for the world. Uh, that's maybe because I know you're, you're you mentioned the excitement of to being today alive today and with all the exciting things on the radar and I could go first I can just go okay. for like 30 seconds to a minute and it's what I, what the what this inner size is or this exercise is is it's like 
imagining what's possible in the future and almost like painting the picture and feeling it in our body. And what I've found when I do this exercise, that seems to happen or something better. Okay, so are we imagining for ourselves or for the world? Let's do it for ourselves. Let's do it for ourselves and our property that we're living on 10 years from now. Do you want me to go first? Go ahead. Okay, all right. So 10 years from now, here I go. I'll lead by example. And then and anyone that's listening at home with this, I challenge you all to make this a daily practice of remembering the future with a, a partner or some friends or even with yourself, but charging it with some emotion, speaking it out loud, and trusting that the future you're remembering is going to be that good or better. So I'll put my and, and put a timer on it because that way the creative constraints, I feel like that's how you hold energy and contain it and use it. Boom. Uh, Ten years from now, I remember a future of being on our retreat property in northern New Mexico and having access to this lake that's f almost freezing year-round. Even in the winter, we have to uh, cut a hole in the ice to go polar plunging in there. I uh, remember that at this point, Wim Hof has done like 10 retreats. He does an annual retreat there once a year with us. I remember Craig Summers coming out there to do a uh, – he does annual retreats there as well on permaculture and how to grow uh, amazing foods in harsh climates um, and on how to uh, live a longer life full of quality. I remember a future of Davina having two siblings and they're out they're like their expert hunters, foragers, climbers, swimmers, like the whole the world, like a, a lot millions of people know about them as like inspirational public figures of how to get back in touch with nature in the most fulfilling way. That's my minute. Okay. Do you want to go on yours 10 years from now, remembering your future? Okay. 10 years from now, remembering my future. I will be able to grow enough fruits and vegetables between my winter garden here and my gardens outside to provide all the fruits and veggies that I need without ever having to buy anything in the store. The solar panels and wind turbines on my roof will constantly be feeding my batteries that will be these new high-tech, ultra-modern batteries that last uh, a lifetime. And, and so will my, my uh, solar and wind equipment that they'll never break down. And they'll be, I'll be completely disconnected from the grid other than I'll be selling my excess electricity to the grid, and they're going to be sending me uh, a check once a month. Uh, my children will be happy, healthy, and holy, and love life, be stunningly healthy when you look at them. The first thing I'll go through someone's mind is, wow, that is a healthy-looking child over there, a healthy-looking person. I like that. There you go. Right there on the hour mark. <laughs> right. That was the, the minute and the hour and anything else. And, of we course, myself and my wife, our relationship will only be way better than it is every now, every day getting better. Our health will be getting better, and we will be happy, healthy, and holy as well. Well, thank you for already embodying that and inspiring so many other people to do the same. You're welcome. <laughs> Much love to you, Craig. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Keep breaking normal, y'all. Peace. This boy and girl are going to be well-equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society.